Big Bertha. It's an iconic name. Some of the longest and straightest clubs in all of golf. Now, the legend just got even easier to hit. The new Big Bertha irons from Callaway are powered by a suspended energy core, a totally new construction, to deliver easy launch, long, consistent distance with incredible sound and feel. This is by far Callaway's easiest to launch distance iron ever. Get big time distance now. Experience Big Bertha irons today at your local golf shop or at callawaygolf.ca. Canadian Vice Admiral Mark Norman was ultimately vindicated this month as prosecutors dropped their breach of trust case against him. He was accused of leaking sensitive information relating to the purchase of a Navy supply ship, but the Crown decided their case wasn't strong enough to carry to trial. In the wake of his court case, Mark Norman broke his silence in an interview with the Ottawa Citizen's David Puglesi. I'm Dave Breckenridge, and this is 10-3. We look at how Norman feels about the case against him, how it affected his family, and what his next steps are. We'll get to our conversation with David Puglesi in just one second, but first I want to let you know about his new podcast, Defense Watch, which launches on May 27th. You can subscribe to it now wherever you're listening to this show. Here's the trailer. Mother Nature's a bitch. The North can kill you just by being there. Where was the discipline? Like, what happened? I was seen as attacking the last place in Canada where men can be men. You still need to be able to do that job, which is kill or be killed. Welcome to Defense Watch. My name is Dave Puglesi, and I've reported on military issues for the Ottawa citizens since 1990. That's allowed me to view the Canadian forces from a variety of perspectives. I've reported on Canadian operations in Bosnia and Haiti in the 1990s. I've been to the far north with the country's Arctic response units and to the jungles of Jamaica and deserts of Africa with Canadian special forces. During the war in Afghanistan, I made three trips to that country to chronicle a complicated and challenging mission. For these podcasts, Defence Watch is going to take a look at some of the issues facing the Canadian forces and the Department of National Defence as well as talking to some of the people who serve in the ranks. I thought to myself, is this it? I I can't jump out of a plane blind. I can't jump out passing out. That's not possible. Defense Watch has been produced by Post Media. I'm I'm pleased. Um, Obviously pleased with the decision. Um, Disappointed that it took as long as it did. So, David, over the last couple of years, while we haven't heard a ton of details from them, we've heard from the government on the Mark Norman affair, but we haven't really heard from Mark Norman himself. Why did he want to share his story? Well, I think he um, he mentioned uh, during his uh, brief press conference, he has a story to, to share. And so he wanted to get that across. The only issue that he's facing is that he's still under military regulations. So he's got to be very careful on what he says. He can't criticize the government. He can't criticize military, uh, the senior military leadership. So what we talked about and what he wanted to convey was uh, you know, this two and a half years and uh, legal battle and what it meant to him and his family, the impact on his family. Well, you come together. Um, you certainly um, see this as a, as a threat to us uh, as a family. Uh, a threat to one is a threat to all. And basically, 
we're, we're pretty resilient. Uh, we've moved around a lot. We've had some other challenges in our past and uh, we're, uh, we're pretty tight, but this definitely brought us together. Um, and uh, really, really proud of, of Bev and Holly. But like I said before, you just, you can't, you can't pretend that it didn't happen. What was striking to many Canadians was the fact that before Mark Norman was even charged by the RCMP, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau was talking about how this case was bound to wind up at trial. And that must have been doubly surprising to Norman himself. How did he react to that? Or what did he have to say about that? Well, it, it happened two times. So the first time, uh, you know, it was in uh, it was in April uh, 2017. And uh, Bev Norman, his wife, told me that she was watching TV. She sees the prime minister on TV talking about her husband. Uh, she calls out to, to Mark Norman, like the prime minister's talking about you. They fumble with, uh, you know, the PVR and find the clip. And, and here uh, is Trudeau essentially saying that Mark Norman is going to be going to trial. Now, you have to remember that there was no, uh, you know, no charges have been laid. It was just early on in the investigation. So, I mean, Norman himself was pretty shocked. His wife, Bev, told me that she was very upset. Then a year later, uh, same thing happened. And uh, Norman, you know, he, he told me what he was thinking. He didn't want to tell his wife at the time, but he thought, he said to me, he said, well, I thought I'm screwed. Yeah, I can I can imagine that would be kind of, already having uh, the deck stacked against you at that point when the prime minister's talking about the legal case against you. Mm -hmm. Um, The first mention of that was three months after the RCMP had served a search warrant at his house. How did they zero in on him as a suspect here? Well, the RCMP had already conducted uh, two raids on uh, lobbying firms that were working for uh, Davy Shipbuilding, and that's the uh, that's the shipyard that was at the center of this whole uh, whole issue. Uh, they were converting a, a commercial ship into a Navy supply ship. So, in that search warrant, they found emails uh, and correspondence from Norman to various uh, Davy officials, and and so that's what uh, twigged the RCMP, and then they started focusing and entirely on Mark Norman. Now, in the midst of all this, the the RCMP search of his house, he was called in for a meeting with his boss, right? The the chief of defense staff, uh, General John Vance. Mm -hmm. And during this meeting, it was revealed that uh, Vance had what was called compelling, sobering, and frightening information about Mark Norman. Did Norman ever get to see that information? Or do we ever find out more details of what specifically triggered... uh, the suspicions of the general. No, so so Vance was going on uh, what the RCMP had told him, uh, their unproven allegations, uh, and he would not tell Norman what the what the sobering uh, uh, you know information was. Norman didn't know what was going on because all he knew was he had been given a, a page and a half uh, RCMP search warrant, which essentially said. You know, they wanted to take a look at uh, uh, collect his electronic devices, that type of thing. Uh, they were looking for correspondence with with Davy Shipbuilding, but that's all he knew. So he didn't have the slightest idea on what these allegations were. Now, eventually, Norman was charged with uh, one count of breach of trust relating to the release of essentially secret information about this sole sourced contract and what the liberals plan to do with it after they got elected. What did he have to say about how he felt after he was charged with that crime? 
he knew that, you know, he was going to be interviewed and that type of thing. But, you know, he told me, he said he didn't think in a million years that he would, uh, you know, that they would serve a search warrant and raid his house. And he was almost expecting later after that, of course, uh, he did expect the charge. But he said he was disappointed because he thought that the evidence collected would have shown um, that what he was doing was was not uh, was not in the wrong. Now, in our court system, there's this whole idea of people are presumed innocent until proven guilty. But that wasn't the perspective of the defense minister and the military in this case, was it? They kind of already figured he was uh, guilty as charged. Is that correct? Well, it's not so much uh, that. I mean, Norman did apply. Um, there's a uh, federal um, uh, pot of money, so to speak, that pays the legal bills for uh, public servants uh, that uh, find themselves in legal difficulty as a result of their job. So Norman did uh, apply for that. He hadn't been charged yet. And the response that came back from the Department of National Defense, and this was based on uh, the decision by the deputy minister, uh, was that no, you're guilty, uh, and you're not going to, and you're not going to get any funding. Hmm. So they decided that they hadn't uh, done any kind of, you know, the charges hadn't been laid at that point. Uh, the DND did not do its own investigation. It was they just determined this, um, and we don't know why, but presumably, you know, as a result of the um, of the RCMP allegations. In the middle of this, and this is kind of casting back to the investigative period. Once Norman was removed from his post uh, as vice chief of defense staff, there was a lot of secrecy surrounding the case, and there were concerns about how our allies may have reacted. What was, what was going on around that time? So when Norman was removed from his post uh, and someone at D&D or the Canadian Forces leaked the letter to the news media, so Vance, what he did then was he ordered a blackout on information. So they wouldn't say why Norman was removed. Uh, they wouldn't say whether he was still getting paid, you know, what his status was. They wouldn't even say where Vance was. He had, he had gone um, to Europe for a conference. And so for a 10-day period, there is this uh, information blackout. And what happened then is you started getting people suggesting, you know, was Russian a Nor- uh, was uh, was Norman a Russian spy? Was there some, you know, sexual harassment or sexual aspects to this, uh, you know, suspension of the second highest ranking officer in the Canadian forces? Mm-hmm. So. You know, 10 days later, Harjit Sajjan, the defense minister, emerges uh, at a press conference in um, in Alberta and says, uh, what I can tell you is it doesn't have anything to do with national security. And so sources told me the reason he did that were because Canadian allies were, were looking for an explanation, the Americans in particular. Uh, you may recall that we did have a, a a spy case involving a naval officer, you mm-hmm. know, some years le- earlier. Yeah. So they didn't know if this, you know, if Norman was a Russian spy, if there had been some kind of major breach. So this was Sajjan signaling to uh, to the Allies that no, don't worry about it. But he he didn't give any other information. And as Mrs. Norman said, well, thanks for that, uh, but you know, that still leaves my uh, husband hanging. You know, was he a sexual predator? Uh, you know, it it, it leaves. Leaves a lot, uh, a lot to be desired. What was Norman's reaction to that? What did he say about that regarding the hit to his reputation? And overall, how did he maintain kind of his day to day life or sanity through this whole ordeal? 
I mean, he sees that that lack of information and that uh, what happened in the immediate in the aftermath there is a you know it significantly harmed his reputation, particularly among you know the, the various uh, militaries he had worked with. He was getting uh, emails from you know navy commanders around the world saying, "What's going on? Are you okay?" And he really couldn't answer. Uh, so that was you know a, a major blow he believes to to his reputation. Uh, the other thing, I mean, so then he's faced with, a, you know, a day-to-day, uh, how do you handle this over a two-and-a-half-year period? And I, I asked him that because that was one of the main questions that I was interested in. I, I think if it was me, I'd probably go crazy, you know. Uh, and he said, you know, he had survived cancer in 2014. And one of the ways he did that is is just kind of one day at a time, one week at a time. The family would try to, you know, live life as normal as possible, even though, you know, cancer was kind of hanging over him. And in this case, he did the same type of thing, even though this uh, legal case was hanging over him for two and a half years. Now, as this case kind of marched toward trial, all of the wranglings and the headlines out of the courtroom were were pre-trial motions and applications there were some setbacks for the crown's case through these uh steps did it ever become clearer to norman that he might come out of this victorious yeah there was no kind of uh you know as he mentioned there was no eureka moment it, it was just his lawyers you know carefully and methodically took apart the crown's case, so to speak. They asked for documents. They weren't getting documents. They they put some of the, uh, you know, the witnesses that were going to appear in this trial, uh, which was set for August 2019. They were on the stand and they were asking them about, uh, you know, about uh, what they did and, and that type of thing. And it turned out, for instance, you know, uh, General Vance, uh, the chief of defense staff, had m- had met with, uh, you know, Prime Minister Trudeau's top aides to brief them on the Norman case. He met with Harjit Sajjan to brief him. He had a conversation with uh, Trudeau himself about the Norman case. And despite all this, he didn't keep a single note. Were there any other pieces that, that hurt the prosecution's case? Well, there was a kind of one point in high drama where you had a young officer, a major, we, we still don't know his name because uh, there's a publication ban to protect him from retribution by the Canadian forces. He came forward to uh, testify. Essentially, uh, one of his bosses, a brigadier general, was bragging that they used certain methods to uh, prevent uh, uh, you know, documents, uh, you know, affecting Norman from being collected. So, you know, there was a subpoena out there that they had to collect documents regarding Norman. And Norman's lawyer said, we need these, you know, for our defense. So what the what had happened was they were using code names for Norman. Uh, and then so if you didn't know the code name, you, <laughs> you know, you wouldn't be able to collect the documents. And uh, when the the young major, you know, mentioned this to his brigadier general, the brigadier general just smiled and said, yeah, this isn't our first rodeo. So they knew what they were doing. On May 8th, this goes to court and we find out that uh, the prosecution is staying the charge against Norman. Uh, there is not a reasonable uh, likelihood of a conviction based on the evidence that the Crown has. How did he feel or how does he feel now that this court matter is done for him? 
Well, his focus now is uh, getting his job back. Uh, he said he wants to be reinstated uh, as vice chief of defense staff. Uh, defense Minister Harjit Sajjan has said, no, that won't happen, despite you know that being a call uh, of General Vance. That's General Vance's call to make. And so Norman has yet to uh, go back to the Canadian forces. He is quite close-lipped on what comes next, but there's been the suggestion that uh, what comes next will be a lawsuit. Yeah, I can imagine that 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 is a likely next step. Uh, Overall, you know, this uh, was a big hit to his reputation and he lost his position as vice chair of defense staff. But in terms of financial hit, how much did this case cost him? He won't get into that other than uh, there was a a figure, $500,000 that was floating around, uh, you know, in the news media. Mm. But uh, he told me that um, it's um, multiples of that uh, $500,000. And I was talking to legal specialists. They they estimate it's well over a million bucks. And the the federal government, despite declining his request to have his legal fees uh, covered by the government ha- have now said that they're going to to pay his fees they've said they're going to pay his fees although that still has to be negotiated now you also got a chance to talk with his wife as well as his daughter how do they feel about the whole ordeal that they went through well, uh, the wife, uh, Bev, was, you know, particularly upset, just, you know, everything from the RCMP raid to to just having to live with this for, you know, this issue for two and a half years. She found herself frustrated uh, at times, you know, because she would go to the pretrial hearings, each and every pretrial hearing. And there'd be often times where the government couldn't produce a document, there'd be more delays. So she found that extremely frustrating. There daughter Holly, you know, she continued her studies at university. Um, she told me that, you know, she was confident that her father would be, uh, would be exonerated. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and uh, you know, she kind of believed that right from the get-go. But she said, again, of course, you know, it was pretty stressful as well. David, thanks very much for your time. Thank you. 10-3 is produced by Carson Jarama. Additional production from Rob Shaw and Tony Caldwell. Thanks to my guest, David Paglazy. More from him at OttawaCitizen.com and watch for the Defense Watch podcast wherever you get this show. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And if you like the show, and I hope you do, please be sure to spread the word.